Amen. You can have a seat. Today we're continuing in this series that I'm calling Unstable, and we're thinking about how we can find stability in the midst of a culture that is shifting and changing underneath our feet. We, we see shifting morals, we see shifting power structures, po politics, all those things make us feel like the world in which we live is unstable. And so we began the series two weeks ago talking about the very nature of God, that God always has been, He is, and always will be. That's the one thing that we can always depend on. As I said that Sunday, we're building everything else on that foundation. And so the second week we talked about Jesus and how there are power structures in our world who claim to be in charge, but ultimately Jesus is Lord of all. And so we can be confident that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we know who really is Lord, and it's always Jesus. Now, today I want to address another area of our lives that can make us feel like the world is unstable. We, we are inundated with a, a host of truth claims in our culture, many of which are in conflict, right? We hear different people saying this is the way it is or that's the way it is, and we're left wondering at times which one is true. Is there even truth in, in any of that? So we could watch two news reports or read them, and they're describing the same event, but we come away thinking, how could they possibly be describing the same event? Because it sounds like two totally separate things with two separate interpretations. It all depends on who frames the story. Or we might be listening to politicians from either stripe, right? And we hear them saying things that we know are not true. We're pretty sure they know are not true, but yet they think if they say it enough times, people will start to believe it. It's competing truth claims. And when we hear all that, we just really do wonder, how am I supposed to know what's true and what's false? How can I do that? And when we're in the midst of that, when we don't know what really is true, I mean, the world really does feel unstable to us. So I want us to think today about, about some scripture that I believe helps get that ground a little firmer under our feet. It can help us deal with the competing truth claims that are all over our culture. To do that, we're going to turn to the, the letter that we call 1 Corinthians. It's a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth, one of two letters that we have in the New Testament to that church. It is a troubled church, all right? If you read through these two letters, both of which are pretty lengthy, what we find is that the church has all kinds of problems and Paul's addressing them, sometimes in ways sort of hard to read through. But what we find are some real gems to understanding our faith if we look through 1 Corinthians. We get to 1 Corinthians 13 that describes love, and my guess is if you read that this afternoon, you'll say, you know what, that sounds pretty familiar. I remember those words. There's also some other places that we get really important information about living the Christian life. And chapter 2 is one of those places, and I want us to turn there today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's a great passage that forces us to think about something that we sometimes avoid. And that's the Holy Spirit. Paul has a long discussion about the Holy Spirit, and this really is the beginning of that. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. We don't always know what to do with that, right? Now, to begin with, we're talking about the very nature of God, right? We're talking about what it means for God to be one 
and God to be three, which is real confusing right to start with, right? This word Trinity that doesn't show up in the Bible, but seems to describe the way that the Bible shows us God. God the Father, talked about that the first week. God the Son, last week. God the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about this week. Now, the truth is, it's a little bit beyond our understanding because it's God. We should expect the nature of God to be bigger than something that I can personally fully understand. God is bigger than me, greater than me in every way, so there's no way I can get a complete picture of who God is in my head at any one time. And yet, Scripture does give us some help with this. But this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is probably the one that confuses us the most. And in fact, it's, it's caused a lot of controversy in the church in the last 100, 150 years to the point that a lot of times we're so afraid of the controversy, we avoid the Spirit altogether. Because we're afraid it's going to lead in places that we just don't understand and don't want to go. But here's the thing. This is the way God is at work in the world Today, this is the way God is at work in our lives right now. And if we avoid talking about it, we're missing out on all that. And that's a lot to miss out on. And in fact, Scripture says a lot about who the Holy Spirit is and how He works. We just have to tune in. So the first thing we might ask is, well, what is the Holy Spirit? Well, at its core, it is God's Spirit. You know, just like we all have a spirit, right? There is something more to me than what is physical. Okay? There's something that animates me. There's something that's left of me beyond this physical body. When it dies, there's something left of who I am. That's my spirit. It's the heart of me. And really, God's spirit is like that. God's spirit is who he is at work in the world right now. And in fact, John talks a lot about the spirit of God. Jesus in John's gospel talks about the advocate or the comforter. And that's God's spirit. You see, God is at work comforting you when life gets difficult, advocating for you when you're accused of something untrue. God's Spirit is right there with you. But what else does Scripture have to say about that? Well, that's what I want us to think about today because Paul talks a lot about it in this, this book that we call 1 Corinthians, and it all begins in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, we're going to begin in verse 10. Here's the thing about 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. And if you look in your Bible, you could find it all kinds of different ways. You could find the end of the beginning of verse 10 at the end of a chapter or at the beginning of a paragraph. And then the next part at the beginning of a new paragraph. You, you might find it in two different sentences. You might find it all in one sentence. We have to remember back when these books were written, the Greek that was written down then had no paragraph breaks, no punctuation. So our translators who are bringing it over into English have to give us some punctuation so we can understand it. So it's all kinds of different ways, but I want to read the whole verse. Paul's just been talking about some things that the Spirit reveals to us, and then he says this, 1 Corinthians 2.10. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. And then he says this, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now Paul's saying, listen, if we want to know about the really deep truths of the nature of God, His Spirit is what probes those depths. There are things there that we can't get to. 
But God's Spirit does get to those things. Now, as we go through these verses, what I find is Paul making four sort of logical moves, one leading to another, each one really important, but the sum total of all of them far more important than that even. I mean, this is a powerful truth we get to by the time we come to the end of these few verses. But the first of these logical moves is this. The Spirit knows the thoughts of God. Now, I know something about what God is, but I don't know these deep truths about the very nature of God. So how does the Spirit, verse 11, sort of answers that question. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So Paul's using an analogy. He's saying, listen, Nobody else knows all your thoughts. You say, well, my my spouse knows all about me or my parents, my kids or a sibling, a friend, somebody in this room. They they know all about me. Well, they may know a lot about you, but they don't know all your thoughts because you haven't told them everything you've thought. Some of your thoughts are fleeting and you've forgotten them. You never even thought about telling them. Some of them, you don't want to tell them, right? There are some thoughts that every single one of us have had that we do not want to talk about. There is no one in the world who knows all of your thoughts like you do. Your spirit knows your thoughts. And what Paul is saying is God's spirit in just the same way, but more powerfully, knows all the thoughts of God. So it is God's spirit who knows God best, okay? That's the beginning of what Paul is talking about in this this section. Now, we get to another truth that's really laid out, but let's, let's hear what he says at the end there. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, that leads us to what's next, which really is that we have received the Spirit of God. Verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So there's a spirit at work in the world, right? Well, we know that. We can see a spirit at work in our world that is opposed to who God is and what God's doing. That's sort of where all this confusion comes from. When we have competing truth claims and we don't know what to believe, confusion is a work that the spirit of the world uses to really take us away from God. Because if we don't know what's true, we don't know who to turn to. But what Paul is telling us, we've been given a different spirit. We have been given the spirit of God. Now that's an important truth, that we, every one of us who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, have been given the spirit of God. And you may say, hang on a second, I'm not so sure about that. Because I've been a Christian for a while, and you know what? I really haven't felt the Spirit of God at work in me. God's Spirit has not spoken to me. I don't really know what it means to say that the Spirit of God is present in me, so I'm not so sure about that. Or you might say, the Spirit of God's not working in me. I can tell you that because I'm not near good enough. And if you only knew some of the stuff that I've done, there's no way that you would believe that God's Spirit would ever inhabit a person like me. I'm just not good enough. Or maybe you're thinking, I hear what you're saying about the Spirit, but isn't that really just for 
like the special Christians in the room, the people who've been at this a really long time, they probably know how to pray better than I do. They've got the secret handshake. They've got some kind of special practice that puts them in touch with God's Spirit. I don't know any of that. I just show up here sometimes and enjoy the music, and I'm just not sure about God's Spirit at work in my life. Well, I think that's just what the Spirit of the world wants us to believe, because then we'll listen. But what we learn is that the Spirit of God is present in every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And when we say, well, I'm not sure about me, then we're missing out on what God is doing. Acts chapter 2, beginning of the church. I've read this passage lots of times in this room because it speaks to us about really a number of things. But it's the first day of the church. Peter has just spoken and said to this huge crowd of people, listen, you have killed God's Messiah. And they say, okay, well, we see that now. What do we do about it? Here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And the really good ones among you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not what he says, is it? And you, everyone you're talking to, the you is plural. He's speaking to this whole group. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not just the special ones, not just the really good Christians, not just the professionals, not just the elders. Every one of you. You see, Peter's message on that day and Paul's message to the Corinthians is God's Spirit is at work in you and in us as the community of faith. Every one of us. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's Spirit is at work in us. Now, we can say no to the Spirit. We can sort of refuse to listen to the leading of the Spirit. But God's Spirit is at work in you. So we have received God's Spirit. So it all begins with the Spirit of God knows God best. It continues with God's Spirit has been given to us. We've received God's Spirit. And then at the end of verse 12, it says, So that we may understand what God has freely given us. So the Spirit is there in us and reminds us, helps us understand what God gives. Now, God gives all kinds of things. God gives forgiveness of sin through Jesus. God brings us salvation from all the things that would destroy us, again, through Jesus. And through Jesus, God offers us eternal life. So for us to really understand all those gifts... The Spirit of God is at work in us. But that's not all that God gives us, right? God gives us understanding. God gives us the, the power to overcome temptation. God gives us insight into what's right and wrong. God guides us to make really good decisions. All those things are gifts from God that Paul says the Holy Spirit helps us understand. So when we can, we can look in our lives and have to make a really difficult decision and we ask for God's leadership, it is God's Spirit that will be in work, at work in you to make that decision. God's Spirit knows God best. We've been given God's Spirit. And God's Spirit helps us to understand what God has given us. 
One more truth, and we find it in verse 13. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now, the end of that verse is notoriously difficult for translators, and if you have a different translation, it may sound a little bit different, but here's the point. God helps us communicate the truths that He has given us. We might put it this way, God helps us communicate with others. All the stuff that the Spirit is at work telling us and helping us understand, helping us get, the Spirit also helps us communicate to others. So, in a small group or a class or in this room, in a, com a communion meditation with our kids, with our students, whatever it is, when one of us stands up and makes sense about God's Word and communicates something well, we might want to say to that person, man, you did such a good job. I appreciate your preparation, your study, your delivery. All those things really help me understand that. And what we should say in response to that is, that's the Spirit of God. I mean, I, I may be using talents that God give, has given me. I may prepare all this stuff. We need to do all those things. But in the end, it is the Spirit of God at work in us. When we make sense about God's Word, it's God's Spirit. So the Spirit knows God best, inhabits us, sort of helps us understand the gifts that God has given us, and ultimately helps us communicate these truths to other people. Now, this is really just the beginning of God's work through His Spirit in us as individuals and in us as the body of Christ. But it is sort of a skeleton outline of some of what the Spirit of God does. And if I had to sum all this up, what I might say is that depend on the Spirit to know what is right and true. In a culture that has so many competing truth claims, Depend on the Spirit to know what is right and true because God's Spirit knows God best. We've been given that Spirit. He helps us understand what God has given us and He helps us communicate it. So if we want to know what is, is really right and true in our world, what counts for something, it's the Spirit of God that's going to reveal that to us. Now, what I'm not saying is that the Spirit of God is going to communicate to you whether you should watch MSNBC, Fox News, or CNN, okay? That is not what this is about. Because the truth is, there's going to be a time when no one is even going to remember what Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC even were. And most of the stuff that they're going to be talking about today, a few years from now, not many people are going to care about. Maybe no one. But the Spirit of God and the truths that the Spirit of God communicates to us and through us, that stuff is eternal. That stuff is going to matter forever. And so what I'm, I'm asking you to do is to be less concerned about all the truth claims that we might see in, in a host of media that are out there and way more concerned with what the Spirit of God is communicating to us through God's Word and through our hearts. Because that's really what's going to make us find stability in an unstable world. And that's going to help us do things and believe things 
and communicate things that count for far longer than what we might see on television this afternoon. Because you know, when we think about the work that we do, sharing with people about the good news of Jesus, communicating how God is at work in their lives today, those things are going to have eternal consequences. Because of the work that we do together as a church, there are going to be people who spend eternity praising God with us. You see how that counts for more than what we get so excited about and hear all those competing truth claims today? The Spirit of God is at work in you. God has chosen to inhabit you with His Spirit. And what, the, what that Spirit is communicating to you and through you, through God's Word and through His leading, and that leads us to do things that really matter in this world. To do God's work in this world. And that's what's going to count in the end. That's what's going to count for eternity. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for your spirit. We know we'd be lost without your spirit at work in us. And so, God, we pray that you would inhabit us, just like you've promised in these passages that we talked about today. And that through your leading, we would know what is right and true, what is good, what we should pursue, what will have eternal consequences. And God, we pray it all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.